somewhere in the bowels of the city that never sleeps. Kevin McCullough, radio host with Salem Media. Is a man also not sleeping. Syndicated radio talk show host Kevin McCullough. And that guy would like a word with you. Many of you know him from as Nostradamus. Of course that Kevin show is going to be great. The only thing that could be greater, of course, would be that Donald show. But we don't have that, so we have that Kevin show. Featuring the music of Dick Tunney and the Dream in Color Orchestra. Still to come, he's the father of two rascals playing Zebedee in The Chosen, Nick Shakur. Also in the spotlight, Carrie Underwood and Jason Aldean. Plus, Assignment Desk Weekend, Powdered Sugar in the White House Edition, straight ahead. And now, from Times Square, where it's so hot... How hot is it? ...that the Russian models refuse to see Tom Brady anymore in their overcoats. Here's that Kevin! Yeah, I saw that story. I don't know if you saw it. Evidently, Tom Brady's got his girlfriends uh, coming in and going in all hours of the day and night, but he's making them wear these uh, <clears throat> black overcoats. I mean, nothing suspicious about that in 95-degree heat. Assignment Desk Weekend, here we go. After years of ignoring reality, President Joe Biden yesterday finally admitted that his son Hunter had fathered Navy, his seventh grandchild, and a daughter born to a stripper. Hunter had denied that he was even the girl's father. That was until a court-required DNA test had proved the paternity. The president's reaction at the time went something like this. I'm wondering if you have a comment on this report and court filing out of Arkansas that your son Hunter just made you a grandfather again. No, that's a private matter. I have no comment. Biden went on Friday after vehement denials and said quite plainly, our son Hunter and Navy's mother London are working to foster a relationship that is in the best interests of their daughter, preserving her privacy as much as possible going forward, he said to a statement in Fox to Fox News late in the day. He also went on to say, this is not a political issue. It's a family issue. Jill and I only want what is best for all grandchildren, all our grandchildren, now that he's including the seventh one, which he had not done up until recently. Uh, Assignment Desk Weekend does note, though, that there are other things that the president may soon have to also realize, like the fact that his son Hunter may be going to prison soon, and this one, someone else cleaning his clock in 2024. Speaking of the Biden crime family, this was a terrible week for Hunter Biden, pictured here uh, trying to remember which pocket the dime bag of Coke was put in before he left. Oh, wait, or did he? The White House library again? The Biden son's plea deal fell apart midweek at uh, the courthouse in Delaware. He was forced to plead, uh, as a result, not guilty to three specific crimes that he had spent the last four weeks telling the world he was guilty of. <laughs> and people wonder why the law seems so sketchy at times. 
Vice President Kamala Harris pictured here having just wiped some newly discovered powdered sugar on her gums that had been found in the White House library created a bit of a problem for the White House on Friday uh, in trying to advocate for federalized abortion. The VP instead seemed to imply that Bidenomics had failed the average family. In fact, she stated as much, saying that most Americans are only a $400 expense away from bankruptcy. In response, the Democratic National Committee officials launched a survey for potential running mates for President Biden in 2024. And in less than three hours, looky here, they had already identified 155 golden retrievers that were more qualified. Congresswoman Nancy Mace raised more than just eyebrows this week with an anecdote about her timeliness and an attendance at a morning event in the nation's capital. The South Carolina conservative Republican joked that her unmarried fiancé had tried to pull her by the waist to keep her in bed. She replied to him, no, baby, we don't have time for that this morning. The unmarried mace continued, I've got to get to the prayer breakfast. In NFL news this week, the Dallas Cowboys are hoping to revive playoff chances this coming season. That goal was part of the strategy in releasing the former rushing leader and pro bowler Ezekiel Elliott this offseason. Elliott had primarily been used to power the ball in short uh, situations, short field uh, situations. Uh, El Elliott had also packed on some extra pounds in recent weeks, making him a little bit slower and a lot easier to tackle. The Cowboys had drafted this year from Kansas State standout Deuce Vaughn for their new rushing strategy. And checking in at only five foot five, they hope he's so small nobody can find him. Take a look at that. The helmet's bigger than he is. And finally, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie pictured here putting the fear of God into a batch of freshly glazed Krispy Kremes by pointing out exactly where he intends to shove them. Said this week very earnestly that he wants voters to think of only one thing when it comes to former President John Donald J. Trump. He swore it was going to come to him any minute now. He, he wants them to think of only one thing when it comes to the former president. Gosh, if he knew. And when he drew a blank and had to give up on whatever it was, he just asked, any more Krispy Kremes? And that's a look at Assignment Desk Weekend. My name's Landon. I've been wanting to work at Facebook for as long as I can remember. Back in 2020, they had no job openings available here except for the role of a fact checker. You know, I took the job, thought I was just gonna be scrolling, you know, my feed and just keeping people honest. But it turns out that it's uh, not the case at all. What's the best way to describe it? Basically, it's only certain specific information that they like me fact checking. It's kind of complicated, actually. It's pretty simple, really, but 
Perfect example right here. We got a couple in front of a house, new homeowners. Well, have we fact checked that? Did you talk to the bank? Do they have a mortgage? If so, you're not homeowners. Fact check removed. Remember, uh, like back in college when we all took that class called critical thinking and they would just put kind of all the ideas in public and we would kind of choose which ones were best using our brains? Yeah, we kind of got rid of all that on the college campuses and replaced it with, you know, safe spaces and stuff like that. And, you know, social media fact checking is just the natural progression of that. Here's a perfect example right here, a lady selling skin cream, and she says in her video, so many people have asked about my skincare regimen. Well, I'd like to fact check that. I looked it up, two people have asked, removed, bye. I mean, just the idea of Facebook checking facts is kind of absurd when you think about it. When has anyone ever told you a piece of information and you go, where did you hear that? And you said, Facebook, and they go, oh, you know what? No, yeah, sorry, that must be true. What's that? Never. This video, I'm watching it, it says riding a Peloton is fun. That's obviously not true. That needs to be fact-checked. All right, I mean, listen, did we get sued recently for all of our fact-checking being nothing but just glorified opinions? Okay, yes, that, yes, that is true, but did we win the lawsuit? No, we didn't win the lawsuit, but that's not important. Just trust us, okay? Thank you. Ladies, appearance-wise, a lot of these photos they need to be fact-checked as well, okay? If you're wearing spray tan, all right, lash booster, Spanx, that's, that's incorrect information. Those need to come with a warning. I was hired by Facebook in 2020 to help win the election. And, <laughs> sorry, not, sorry, not to help win the election. I was hired to help stop the spread of misinformation. Whew, during the election. Sorry, that's weird. I said that wrong, but yeah. Here's another example, Oreo, Milk's favorite cookie. Really, have we talked to Milk? Have they given an official statement? I don't think so, fact check, deleted. People all the time ask me, what is the definition of a fact checker? Listen, they sent me the employee handbook. Let me just read it to you. We discover and censor personal and political thoughts not approved by the regime. Oh, sorry, I'm reading George Orwell's 1984. That's the definition of the thought police. Sorry, completely different. So can you let me, let's take that again. Can we cut this part? <laughs> the sketch comedy work of John B. Christ. If you don't follow him on YouTube, you should. He's hilarious. Glad to have him as part of that Kevin show. Coming right back from New York, the uh, man who plays Ready Zebedee. He'll be right back. guest is someone that if you are a fan of The Chosen, you have seen uh, his face. If you're a fan of some of his other work, you've only known him by voice. Uh, and yet tonight we get to we get to see him, talk to him and hear from him. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the man who plays Zebedee in The Chosen, Nick Shakur. How's it going, man? It's good to have you with us. Um, when you were um, 
considering the role of Zebedee and you were thinking, I, I'm going to be part of this and we're not going to have normal funding and I don't know what it's going to look like and all the rest of that. D d were there some questions in the back of your mind going into it? Oh, for sure. I was, uh, I, I turned down the role about three times once I booked it because <laughs> all these voices came into my head and told me, don't do this. This is a waste of time. Going back to what you're saying about the funding. Also, I did not want anything to do with a religious project. Because in my mind, I saw myself dressed in a robe, speaking Shakespearean into the sky. And I, <laughs> I do not want to be involved with anything like that. Um, so yeah, there was- How did your mind, how did your, okay, I'm very curious now. How did your mind eventually get changed? Well, it's amazing. I, I made a deal with my agent at the time. I said, I'm voicing the Care Bears animated series and I'm still working my part-time retail job. If both of those people let me off, then I'll go to Texas. Otherwise, I ain't going because this is late November and I don't want to get fired from my part-time job. <laughs> I go to Care Bears, Marcia Goodman, she's the voice director. I ask her, a blank look washes over her face. She freezes. She looks at me and she says, it's okay, go. We'll make up the episodes when you come back. Wow. I said, I'll be gone for like two and a half weeks. It's okay, go. I'm like, what? I go to my part-time job that same night. The same look washes over my manager's face in his office. He freezes. He snaps out of it. He looks at me and he says, yeah, you should go. It sounds like a good opportunity. He says the exact same thing she says. I'm like, what's going on here? I said, bro, I've got like 10 shifts. I can't give away all of them in time. His face freezes again, he thinks. Snaps out of it, he looks at me and he goes, it's okay, I'll just take you off the schedule. We're talking late November here, like holidays. Wow. I end up going, uh, but, but, uh, email my agent. I, I guess I'm going to text this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I got to say, um, and I've, I've told most of the people that we've had on this show uh, attached to the project the same story, but I'll repeat it here. Mm. Um, I knew that this was powerful, uh, creative television, watching it myself. Didn't realize how big of an impact it would have until my 10-year-old was just as enthralled with the week-to-week, episode-to-episode desire to find out, you know, what happens next. And we're a church-going family, and we're Christians, and we believe that Jesus lived and died and rose again, and uh, all the all, from all of that. So there's that standpoint that we're coming to this from, and we're saying this is this is illustrating our faith to the public mainstream in ways that we've never seen done before, uh, with quality that it's never uh, seen before. But at the same time, that's kind of the the back part of my cynical brain going, you know, this. So they they put on a good show. Meanwhile, my ten year old, who would like to be a movie producer someday, is sitting here uh, tearing up at in many places through seasons two and three, uh, mm. and we're having deep conversations about you know what what was going on and why did uh, this character interact with that way and that one. So it, what you guys are doing is important, well beyond what you may realize or even believe um, at the time. We're speaking with Nick Shakur, who is uh, the character Zebedee in The Chosen. And you've you've been, uh, according to your own bio, a goofball, a little bit of a comedian, uh, someone who did impersonations, you know, going back to your days in school. 
Um, I've always loved the, 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 your types of people uh, because uh, I, I can always think of how we can use them uh, in, in creative ways. But is there a creative bug inside of Nick Shakur that just has to get out and uh, has been fidgeting around inside of you your entire life? Definitely. No, that's actually, that's a perfect way of, of describing it, uh, that, that creative bug that God plants in you and it starts getting stronger and stronger to where you're at a place where you have to do it. No matter what you have to, you have to express that gifting that God has put in you. And, um, and I will say the character of Zebedee in the chosen is definitely fulfilling many different facets of that creative bug that only could be fulfilled before in the world of voiceover hmm. with animated characters for video games or TV, interactive games. Uh, I'm, I'm able to play him in The Chosen in a way that, um, that you know, like you'd play Johnny Depp with, uh, with Jack Sparrow or, or Willy Wonka. He's this fun, well-rounded character with so many facets in his personality, um, a lot of which I believe are still hibernating and they'll come <laughs> out in future episodes and future seasons. There's there's nowhere he can't go yeah. as a character. So uh well and at this point, because yeah. it's a seven it's a seven season series, you're starting season four, and the story is definitively going towards what is ultimately going to be the death of Jesus and the pain and, and mm -hmm. the fear that surrounds that. So it, I expect that the the intensity that ratcheted up in season three is only going to continue to grow in seasons four and five. But I also think at the same time, that's why the Zebedee character is so important because he is kind of this, the, he's, he's this father who has these two rascals of sons that um, he kind of he kind of he kind of you know busts their chops legitimately yeah. for from time to time as a good dad would, um, yeah. but he also has immense care. He's a very complicated character, and I'm just curious how much of what you've researched and what you're what you're identifying with him in is is actually a part of your personality. How much do you identify with him? Well, it's it's interesting because the way he came to me when I read the script that he received the script for the audition for the chosen and. He was just downloaded to me. I mean, almost instantaneously, visually, his voice, everything was there. And I was thrown off because typically I'll sit there and I'll wait for a download and, okay, well, what, is, what does he sound like? Let's see. And this was like, no, no, no. God was like, this is how you're going to play him. And we will cross the bridge when we get there as far as how much change he's going to go through. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm sure a little bit of my own dad crept in. And that that kind of old school tough love that I believe these days um, is being lost a little bit. People are confusing the tough love with, you know, oh, don't talk to me like that because I'm going to get my feelings hurt. When it's like, no, 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 love, love can can mean putting your foot down. Love can also mean gentleness and kindness and doing it from that from that from that place of God's love. Yeah. So I felt all of that swirling in me. And so I said, okay, when I, when I play him, this is, he has all this, he's unapologetic. Like he's not going to sit there and gently approach a situation that needs that stern fatherly love. And I believe, I also believe and see now why he's gaining so much popularity because I'm seeing that stern fatherly love 
sort of dissipate in our modern world. It's being Let, let's let's pick up on that thought when we come back. We're speaking mm -hmm. with actor Nick Shakur of The Chosen. If you are a fan of the series, you know he plays the character of Zebedee. Kevin McCullough, that Kevin show live from Times Square. Stay here. Ready or not, we'll be right back. so pleased to have Nick Shakur here with us tonight. Uh, I've, we've had a chance to, to speak with some of the cast members of The Chosen over the last few years, and uh, every one of them have a different vibe, a different kind of feel to what they bring to their roles. And of course, every character in that series uh, is so different and is so well-defined. I think the thing that is really, uh, there's a lot of things that are really well done about The Chosen, but one of them is that this this story is told from very definable characters that have very finite features and that you can understand and watch grow through their uh, through their story arcs and what you see happen is uh, the biblical stories kind of come to life. Anyway, Nick uh, has a very um, uh, varied background prior to The Chosen. He had done some TV stuff. He's done some theatrical film. He's done some of the stuff in the video game world. Uh, if, if you have people in your house that are fans of the Care Bears, uh, you know uh, that he was Grumpy Bear in uh, in that. So, uh, Nick, you've done a lot of different things. Um, I am curious. You mentioned in the first segment early, uh, and I usually make a deal with uh, the the PR people that I won't ask these questions, but I'm going to ask them anyway. Um, you, you mentioned that you didn't want a religious project. And since you yeah. said that, you have now mentioned God no less than six times. So I feel like I've got to ask you, um, what is your relationship to this story that you're that you're part of? Well, the story, of, I've said this before, the show itself, The Chosen, has been a conduit that God used to get me to Texas, which led to my Holy Spirit encounter at a church conference I was invited to by a few buddies of mine who I became friends with who were on the construction team. Um, and, uh, and since that encounter, I mean, I've always grown up with God in my household. My mom and dad are Christian. My grandfather was a Greek Orthodox priest, but mm. that it went from seeing it more like a, I need an intermediary. I need it to be this religious thing. It went from that to <clears throat> once it came into my body and set it into blazing fire, it turned into, well, no, now I'm in a relationship with him. Like I love him. So and if I, that's the, if you know, that, if that's the, the center of Nick Shakur now, does that bring a whole different level of importance to, to what you're, cause it's one thing for an actor to take a job, right? It's another yeah. thing to believe that you're communicating eternal truth to people that are watching. For sure. Now, uh, I don't really go out of my way to do anything different. I just, I've, I've let go now because I feel his presence everywhere I go in me and around me that it's kind of like, here you go, God, you do what you're going to do now in this scene. And I'm just going to stand back and watch what, what you do. That's, yeah. that's how, that's how I've been with it now. How how does your Greek family um, respond to your role in the Chosen? 
Oh, my mom, she loves it. My, so my mom's Armenian and my dad is a okay. part Greek and Lebanese. And, you know, they come from that part of the world and yeah. uh, they're, they're enjoying it. My mom says she gets emotional because she actually doesn't see me when she watches it. She thinks I'm a real dad and that she actually has grandkids when she watches it. <laughs> Old grandkids too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> fully grown. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's been a joy to to have you just for a few minutes tonight and to get to know you a little bit. Um, any anything you can give us uh, that won't get you in trouble for spoilers for season four? Is there any what what's what's one thing that you could tell us that's going to bait us just to get to the season premiere? So I'm moving like this because we're going to start to feel the tremors before the earthquakes start to hit, and things are going to go off balance. And they're going to start to slip into darkness. That's all I could say. <laughs> well, where season three ended uh, certainly was the uh, the perfect setup for that. And it's going to be a very powerful uh, experience. And friends, if you if you have not seen The Chosen, it's, it's hard not to tell you where you can't find it. Um, it's all over the place. Uh, but you can always go to Angel Studios app. You can always go to The Chosen app. You can always um, you can always now watch it. I think it's uh, it's on one of the broadcast networks that uh, it's going to be on the CW soon. Yeah, the CW, um, and it's been added to a number of other uh, streaming devices and and options in recent years. Um, Nick, I know this may be kind of hard to imagine, uh, but what would your dream next assignment be after season seven finally wraps? Honestly, it's. It's whatever God wants for me. Like I literally that night at the conference, I died to the world. Hmm. Like I call myself the walking dead. I, d I don't know. I don't, I just want to Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Zombie Nick. Yeah. It, it's what it feels like. It's like, I'm just kind of following what he's having me do. And yeah. To wade through the waters together. And you see what I did there? Very, very. The whole fish yeah. water thing is very, very uh, good. N uh, Nick Shakur, great to meet you. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for being with us. You too. You too, man. You got it. Kevin McCullough coming right back live from New York. Don't go away. Ready or not, he'll be right back. To that Kevin show with Kevin McCullough. To the Dry Bar Comedy Stage with Jamie Ward. I got into comedy because I'm lonely. Uh, like sometimes I don't get to do a lot of things. On Sunday nights, I will just draw an X on my hand and permanent marker and half wash it off so people think I did something awesome on Saturday night. <laughs> I've been known to go driving out and just let people merge in traffic so they'll wave at me. <laughs> I think it's because I got a lot of anxiety. I don't know. It was weird growing up. My mom has this way of saying things. It's not always the best way. I turned 30 a few years ago, and I went to my mom because in my head, I was like, oh, this is a big birthday. I'm never going to be young again. I'm 30 now. And my mama says this. She goes, Jamie. They didn't keep real good records at the orphanage in Korea. You might have turned 30 a while ago. <laughs> I was like, you could have said that the other way, right? 
But I've been confused. I'll tell you, the first thing I ever wanted to do when I was young, I wanted to grow up and be a cowboy. I wanted to be a bull rider. And so when I was 18, I actually found a rodeo in Van Wert, Ohio that would let anybody with $200 get on a bull. So I, I went to Walmart and bought a hat because I don't know where cowboys shop. Uh, <laughs> purchased everything that said Wrangler on it, and I showed up, and they put me on the bull in the chute, and then my hat, it wasn't sized very well, right, because it was cheap, started falling down in the front of my head. I just adjusted it back. Now, if you're not familiar with the sport of bull riding, this is the signal to open the chute. So I adjusted my hat, and then I woke up on the other side of the arena. terrible. I've tried so many different things. I really, I started a band recently, and we have not uh, played anywhere. It's called Gibsland. It's named after the place that Bonnie and Clyde were killed. Because I think that's a fitting name for my band. <laughs> Don't have to a little too judgmentally over there. No, I'm just kidding. I confuse people a lot of times because I'm from Boston originally. That's where I've lived most of my life. And I actually did this when I signed up to be in the military. I went to the recruiters and I accidentally signed up as a North Korean, which, <laughs> by the way, is the wrong answer if you don't know geography. But I was 18 years old and I thought they were going to say, are you from North or South Korea? And... That's not what they asked. They asked the, the political names, which is the Republic of Korea or the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. Now, like any other high school student, I saw that word democratic and I was like, ah, that must be us. That's the good guys, right? It sounds like a good word. It was not. I went home and my dad was like, you should change that answer. <laughs> and so I called them up the next day, and I was like, hey guys, I have to adjust that answer from where I'm from, but uh, does that not prove that I am a loyal American, that I don't know the difference between both of them? on being an Asian comedian that does not do a lot of Asian jokes, but I think I'll tell one more uh, just for you, sir. Only for you. Okay, so listen very closely. Uh, I'm not going to tell it right now. I'll tell it later, and it'll sneak up on you like a ninja. Okay. Uh, that's... <laughs> I don't like being a controversial comedian. Because I think life is so tense right now, comedy should just bring us all together. But I do want to say, I do want to say, I don't think we should be teaching evolution in the public school system. Now, before before you think I'm going to split the audience, hear me out. It's not that I have a position either way. I just think there's more important things we should be focusing on than the theory of whether uh, I don't know creationism versus evolution. Because we as Americans have a hard time reading, writing, and doing math, and that's like three of the most important things to getting a job. <laughs> Let's focus on the things that, that help people get jobs and be productive citizens, right? Because I've worked food service, and nobody said, excuse me, sir, is this steak made from cow that comes from God, or cow that evolved from dinosaurs? Because I don't, like, no. They just asked me for my change. And also, 
Also, I don't even believe in evolution. Here's why, right? Uh, if we actually believed in evolution, if we supported the idea of survival of the fittest, would we make accommodations for people with peanut allergies? <laughs> I'm not saying it makes you a bad person if you're allergic to peanuts. No, I'm sorry. But I'm just saying my dog has learned to eat peanuts without dying. <laughs> he can't eat chocolate, but that's because he's racist. And uh, no, 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 don't. Don't sit up on that. That is just a dumb joke. All right, my dog's not racist. My dog even, he's so unracist, he went black once. And you know the saying? When a dog goes black, take him off the grill. He's done. Surprise! That's, that's my Asian joke. I don't. I'll tell you, it, we're, we're going through strange times. I think every generation goes through strange times. But whenever I'm feeling a lot of anxiety and worried about the future, what I try to do is I try to help other people. And so recently, I started volunteering, this is totally true, at a shelter in Georgia uh, for, for homeless women. And what I do is I mentor their kids after school while the moms go to job training and emotional counseling so they can break the cycle of homelessness. Now what I do is I try to help the kids with their schoolwork after school, but I'm not very good at it because I don't have kids myself. And one time, one of the kids was like, Mr. Uh, where are you from? <laughs> now I get very excited. I'm like, we're about to have a learning opportunity. I'm gonna teach him that all Asian people are from China. And before I could say anything, he goes, are you from Texas? <laughs> Now, people have guessed a lot of things with me, but nobody's ever said Texas before. <laughs> At first, I'm thinking, maybe he just feels like he knows I want to be a cowboy, right? <laughs> and I was feeling very proud until I thought of it for one more second, and then I thought, oh, he just thinks I'm Mexican. <laughs> I asked him, why Texas? And he actually had the sweetest answer ever. He goes, well, mister, you're wearing cowboy boots. I was wearing boots that day. And he goes, and I'm from Texas, and everybody in Texas wears cowboy boots. So I thought maybe you were from the same place that I was from. And I thought that was the world's greatest answer, this little kid. He didn't judge me on, on my race or my gender or anything that I can't control. He just did the one and only thing that we should do, and that is judge people on their poor fashion choices, right? <laughs> you can do that. You're allowed to do that. Ready or not, you'll be right back. Serving it up with a no-drink minimum. It's that Kevin show. Ladies and gentlemen, back on the music spotlight stage from one of the top country songs of last year. Here's Jason Aldean and Carrie Underwood. I wouldn't mind being alone. I wouldn't keep checking my phone. Wouldn't take the long way home just to drive myself crazy. I wouldn't be losing sleep, remembering everything, everything you said to me like I'm doing lately. You, you wouldn't be all, all that I want, baby I could let go. Wonder 
Some Country Music Awards in 2022. Jason Aldean and Carrie Underwood and If I Didn't Love You. Of course, his new one uh, in a small town causing great controversy this week. Uh, but anything that supports our police, I'm in, I'm in favor of. Hope you had a great week. Join us again next time. <laughs>